Recording there? Yes, red, red light. Crushing. Red light. <laughs> Stop light. Eddie Murphy. I can't believe it. When I first saw that Eddie Murphy was producing music, I was like, wow, what a, what a talented guy. He's been doing that for a while, right? I had no idea. I don't know if he's still doing it, but... I need my coffee. Red light. Yeah, Stop go. light. Mary Lou's, the best coffee in town. <laughs> All right. Hey, guys, welcome to another episode of AA for Entrepreneurs. This is episode 41. I am your co-host, Andrew, and... This... I am also your co-host... Adam. Hello. Here we go. Hey. <laughs> oh, man, we're so fired up today. Like, we spent a lot of time together yesterday. We, uh, we'll, t we'll get into more detail about that. But, uh, man, I, I just love when momentum starts rolling. I really do. Momentum's a beautiful thing. But speaking of momentum, actually, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stop our momentum for a second and just say thank you to all the listeners and watchers and subscribers, if you haven't subscribed already, please go ahead and do that for us, please. Uh, it would mean the world to us. And, and check out some of the older episodes as well. Um, and thank you to our sponsors, King Casher. Make sure to follow him on Twitch, Anchor, Flipboard, and Urban Acres. So, uh, yeah. That, that about does the intro, I think. We're getting better at this intro thing. Yes, Urban Acres isn't a part of King Cash. It's something completely different. Yes, yes. Just clarifying there. Yeah, we have four sponsors right now. If, if you'd like to sponsor us or add an ad spot, we are, are also thinking about adding that to the podcast. So if you're interested, reach out to us. We can make, a, we can make something happen. Let's do it. Yes. Um, and let's jump into today's topic. I mean, the biggest thing that I can think of is the, uh, the hemp coalition meeting that we attended yesterday in Worcester. Yeah, it was pretty epic. I think both of us kind of went into it not fully knowing what to expect. You know, we knew it was some sort of meeting, you know, and I think, you know, both of us left there feeling pretty good and, and feeling like all the work and research that we've been doing for almost a year now is coming to fruition because we're apparently ahead of the curve a little bit. Yeah, I walked into that meeting being like, I have no idea what is on the agenda, no clue. I'm just picturing a bunch of people sitting in a room and talking. So I went in there like, just I'm listening. I'm just going to listen. Um, and that's pretty much what it was. I kind of got a picture, got a scope of what was happening about 10 minutes in. And then I'm like, okay, I get it. I can... I could try to contribute now, but it did. It went, I think it went really well, a lot better than the pitchfork and fire mentality of the other hemp meeting uh, that was held by MDAR. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. It seems like the community is starting to understand, like, whoa, listen, like, while we may not agree with everything that MDAR is doing, they are still supposed to be on our side, you know? And if we're coming at them with pitchforks and torches, they're not going to be on our side so much. They're going to go home and say to their roommate, boyfriend, husband, whatever, like, damn, today sucked. The hemp community is a bunch of assholes. Like, that's probably what they were thinking, you know, leaving there. And, uh, you, you know, it's, you can't really blame either side for feeling how they feel because the hemp side is so passionate about this plant that they've been fighting for for nearly a century or over a century, I should say. 
And then you have the other side that's just trying to get a, a hold of this brand new program that's only 14 months old. So there has to be some give and take on both sides for sure. Yeah, it kind of kind of sounds like uh, trying to learn how to do this whole new thing is like trying to walk, but then you have all these people that are like, no, do it this way, no, do it this way. And then all of a sudden you're trying to walk and you got eight people poking you with sticks and yelling and cursing. It's just, it, it doesn't make for good learning. Yeah, no. So a lot of, pretty much the takeaway message that I got yesterday was that you can expect the hemp community to essentially ask, we're asking or what people kind of decided what they wanted to do was to really push for regulation on selling CBD. So they want uh, stores to have to essentially pass a test, get a license, and then they can sell CBD at their stores. What do you think about that? Um, I think that there's some good in it. You know, um, the, the term regulations is kind of something they're trying to get away from a little bit just because regulations can be bad and very restrictive. Um, they, they wanted to kind of do it as like a, a response to MDAR, you know. Do, I, I really think that a lot of these retail shops, especially gas stations, are selling subpar, potentially harmful hemp and CBD oil to people. And I do think that maybe having some kind of inspection process the same way that we had to go through to get our hemp farm and processing license would vet out some of the, the crappy suppliers and, and crappy sellers that are just giving a bad name to CBD. They're using floor product. Some, there's been um, some lab tests that have shown that uh, some of these gas station brands are using melatonin in their CBD. No CBD found in there. So there's a lot of sketchy practices going on on the retail side, so I can completely understand why they would want, you know, some kind of guideline for retail sales and some kind of license. And I can agree that, you know, having that license, if you are charging them for it, even if it's a small fee, that's money that could be used to build MDAR because they're so understaffed. And that was kind of my, my takeaways from that. On the other side, adding more licensure and, and regulations is something that's just going to bog down this program and slow down the program even more because then they have to come up with the, the license guidelines for the retail program, which could take them two, three years and put everything at a standstill. So it's like, it's, it's almost like everybody's stuck and we need to figure out like a solution that's going to work for both sides, you know, the MDARs and the FDAs and the DPHs and us, the hemp farmers, you know, without the farmers, there's no hemp. <laughs> That's like the, the biggest thing of this, like the, without the farmers, if you can't give the farmers a way to make money off this, why are they going to farm it? <laughs> right, they wouldn't. No one's going to well, grow a crop that you're not going to make any money on. What were your thoughts about, uh, you know, putting a little bit of restrictions on retail? Well, my thought, if I, when I look at CBD and the way that it's interacting with the market and how consumers are kind of taking it, accepting it, I think that putting licensing on it is unnecessary. I think that education should be foremost and up and center, front and center, and completely take the stage. 100% agree. Because, I mean... You might be able to find, let's say, a daily vitamin at a gas station, 
But everybody knows not to get daily vitamins at a gas station. Everybody knows not to get gas station sushi. <laughs> That's right. It's, I mean, it's the same deal. Even, I mean, maybe if there was like a name brand sushi with an orga uh, USDA organic label, maybe it would be okay because you know that there are guidelines and uh, the FDA is not all bad. So they do, they do make sure that the food at gas stations are safe. But you're not going to go for a gas station sandwich when there's a renowned deli right next door. So I think CBD is, in a lot of ways, very similar, where if you educate the consumer and the consumers know what a good product is going to be, they're going to look at gas station CBD and be like, that is garbage. I don't want anything to do with that. And it's not going to be a problem at all. Gas stations aren't going to be a competition with uh, CBD retailers. And I mean, look at Ben & Jerry's. They're already starting on work, working on a flavor with CBD ice cream. That's, that's going to be a trend that's going to continue on with everything, in my opinion. And it's going to be everywhere, and it's not going to be practical to have every single store across the nation go and file for a licensing, for, for a license. And then that doesn't even play in part when you think of online sales. Right now, you can buy hemp from Ohio or Oklahoma, wherever you're Or China. Wherever. You can buy it from China, it'll ship to you, and no licensing required. So putting a licensing is just gonna make everything harder, and it's gonna make, I think it's just gonna make people shy away from buying local, and you're like, I don't need to bother with it, you can just buy it online. Yeah, I could definitely see that. Um being very true and I you, you mentioned yesterday because one of the other co conversations that went on was possibly putting an age restriction on CBD and I saw you write in your notes in your phone as I was thinking that's not a good idea you're writing like uh isn't that like going against what we're trying to do here and in the same token with the licenses it's the same thought like that's it's putting more restrictions on the hemp industry and that's why I'm kind of like eh about it but it's like, ah, how do we keep the, the shitty people from selling CBD? Yeah, I think it goes back to people are always going to sell it. Shitty people are always going to try to make a buck. And people are always going to try to knock off products. And it's, it all comes down to education and knowing not to buy gas station sushi unless it's like a renowned sushi place. And as far as regulation as to say you need to be 18, you need to be 21 in order to buy CBD. That makes me think tobacco, alcohol, renting a car. Yep. And it just it puts it in the, the wrong category. CBD is harmless. They, they're giving it to kids. They're giving it to babies. I don't think there should be a cat. Well, why? Well, why is, does there need to be an age restriction on CBD? It just doesn't make any sense. I think if anything, it's going to Kind of tell the consumers, hey, look at this is in the same category as tobacco. This need, this is dangerous. It's yeah. not. It's like you could be 12 years old and got get a coffee from Dunkin' Donuts. You could be. I don't know if you can. A 12 year old is buying multivitamins, but no, you I don't. Because I remember, like, I started taking massive amounts of Excedrin when I was like 13, and I would buy Excedrin myself. I'm taking eight to ten of these things a fucking day, like rotting my liver and stomach and so much caffeine that I should have had a heart attack, yeah. you know, but I'm, I'm able to buy that. There's nothing restricting me from buying that, you know, like, and, and that's, and that's the way it should be with CBD. I think so, too. You know, like, what if you have a 13-year-old kid who's having panic attacks and doesn't know how to tell their parents, like, hey, I really want to try CBD, 
you're now restricting that kid from just going and buying it. Like he's not gonna, he or she is not gonna get hurt from buying it. It might just be something they wanna try for their panic attacks. And if it works for them, that's the whole fucking point of this stuff. You know, like that's, I, it can help so many people with so many things to manage different ailments and, and whatnot. And it's, the, the roads, the waters are definitely gonna be rough ahead for all of us in this industry, but where I think last night showed a lot of unity within the community. Yeah, it was super promising. I left that, left that meeting in, in very high hopes. That was good, that was very productive. It's so one thing like going back to uh, the, putting an age restriction on who can buy it. Like I wanted to mention that at the meeting, but at the same time, I didn't know how, right? Because they, the farmer, the retailers kind of met up and they're like, oh, how can we make this better? And I was thinking like, all right, how do I, mention this this point of view without completely tearing down what they what they came up with yeah. because it's, it was in good thought yeah. right like what they I, I can see where where they're going with that and how it would really kind of like actually I don't know I don't yeah. know where, <laughs> I was the opposite I, I responded immediately as soon as they said it out loud I was like why why <laughs> and everybody's like, <laughs> like yeah oops yeah I remember being right there how why, why would that be, why would that work? There's no and age restriction on tomatoes. <laughs> yeah, they didn't, I don't know, I don't know. I'm, I'm like trying to think on the spot for a, a good reason to, and I just can't, so I just kept my mouth, mouth quiet because you don't want to offend anybody, right? First yeah. time at a, at a meeting, and you're just going to put yourself in a position where everybody's like, you're against us. Yeah. That's not... The, yeah, it's kind of like on the way up to that meeting, I was on a phone call meeting with... Uh, the Boston Freedom Rally Planning Committee, which if you don't know, that's the second biggest cannabis event in the United States, only second to Seattle Hemp Fest, and we might beat you guys this year, wink, wink. Um, it's, you know, a one-day event in the Boston Commons that's been there for, th this is the 30-year anniversary of it, right? So I completely just lost track of where I was going with that. If you're going to the Freedom Rally, please don't litter. Yeah, don't litter. <laughs> that was one of the biggest talking points on, the, on that meeting. And I'm really trying to, like, circle back to why I was even bringing that up. Mm. Busy, 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 busy. I think you were really kind of just uh, highlighting the point that you had two meetings that day. And meeting on meeting on meeting. Meeting on meeting on Busy, meeting. very busy. And we've been mm. busy on the farm, too. We're actually dealing with another roadblock. Uh, so Urban Acres is, is finding that... The, the soil is slightly alkaline. Uh, so basically hemp needs a certain pH range to grow and thrive and uptake nutrients properly. And we are slightly above that acceptable optimum range. Mm -hmm. So we're starting to see signs of um, certain um, micronutrient deficiencies. So that's something that we're working on. It's not a huge issue. The plants are still growing, but it's not optimal. So we're doing a couple of things to amend the soil, to bring down the pH, monitor it throughout the next uh, four days. We're going to get a lot of rain so that uh, the amendments that we added to the soil is going to wash into the soil and mix. We're going to keep an eye on the pH and the deficiency so that really that's, that's the big thing that we've been working on yep. on the farm. Yeah, and then, uh, you know, just getting together all the funding to, f to finish automating our, uh, our whole process. And we're, we're almost there, you know, like we, we, are, we almost have 
our whole 10th acre automated, which is gonna prove our point that we could scale up, you know, and, and that's what this is all about. You know, you guys have heard us talking about getting investors and stuff like this. We haven't gotten it yet, you know, so we're working basically on our small scale plan to build up to the large scale plan and prove to investors that our, our plan is, you know, we're dead on with this. And last, I, going back to the meeting last night, I really feel like that was like so much of what was said was exactly what we were saying is the major problems in the industry, like almost to a T. Like what were our three major, major problems that there's no large scale processing in the state and people are growing hemp like corn and uh, poor quality and poor quality. And that was like the three of the main points yesterday in education, you know, um, education, 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 education. And that, but that, I'm like so shocked that education wasn't brought up like it, like it should have been. Yeah. I think it was way overlooked. Didn't you, they didn't even consider it. I know you'd mentioned it in your group and no one wrote it down. I mentioned it in my group. It wasn't written down. Yeah, I think the reason it wasn't written down in my group is because I said MDAR needs more education about hemp. But that sounds really rude to say, hey, you guys, hemp people, you need more education about hemp. Yeah. So yeah. I, I suggested that we say, hey, can you, MDAR, teach us about the political side of things? And can we teach you more about the hemp side of things? It's a political approach. Very. Yeah. You know, this is a very political game. And when I said that, she kind of, you know, got scared away and didn't write it down. And it is what it is. It's only the second meeting. They're going to have another one this week. And I'm definitely going to that one, too. So it's, it's just about, you know, now Urban Acres has, you know, made their official appearance into the hemp industry together, yeah. united. And it's, it's just about pushing forward. You know, on the, on the 24th, uh, this upcoming Monday, we're going to be at the Massachusetts State House fighting for this. So that's really exciting, too. And uh, I'm j this is, it's just crazy how much, how much stuff is going on. And uh, we need to reset. Yep. <laughs> yeah, so in my, in my group, um, when I kind of brought up education, I was more channeling it towards educating the public. Mm -hmm. And um, one of the responses that I got is it started a, a conversation. Everybody started talking about it. Um, but one of the major things people um, suggested is that we should be doing the educating. And I'm like, I totally, totally yep. agree with that. Yep. We need to educate. That's super important. There's only one flaw in that whenever you mention hemp or cannabis on any major platform where their people are, you get shut down. You get stifled. Your video stops getting views. And how, how are you supposed to educate people on hemp when you get shut down? And I kind of proposed the idea that if we ask Massachusetts to help us educate, they've got funding. They can post on YouTube. Facebook isn't going to say no to the government. The government overall has control. So if they say, we want to educate people on CBD, we're going to put an ad on YouTube. We're going to put an ad on Facebook. I think that will go miles. I do want to say, however, that it is possible to get ads to go through for hemp and cannabis related stuff. It's just all about the wording of your copy. We've, we've had 
pretty high success with, with ads that have to do with hemp-related topics or hemp-slash-cannabis-related businesses. You know, the, one of the only ads that I really got rejected was, was Bridget's with the giant CBD in the backdrop of it. You know, like, they took one look at that and said, uh, no. But if in the wording, you know, like in the wording of this video, it'll say that we went to a farmer's coalition meeting to talk about new guidelines set out by MDAR. Notice I didn't say anything about hemp. And we're going to get an ad to go through on there, this video. That is a good way, way to get around it, but... I isn't it kind of a handicap? Yep. Like 100%. how much if, if people Instagram wouldn't let me get around it. Yeah, if people are interested in hemp, how are they gonna know that that video is gonna interest them? It's just gonna kinda like shot in the dark, kinda like, okay, we did get this advertised, but we're not getting nearly the traffic we want to. People are interested in hemp aren't gonna see this video and like, oh, this is for me. Yeah. I think it's a uh, a huge handicap. Very huge handicap. Like, I definitely want to want to restate what you said because that's exactly what it is. But there are little ways around it, and you might not have success 100% of the time. I have yet to have success doing an ad with anything cannabis or hemp related on Instagram. I haven't gotten anything to go through. I've actually gotten one of my accounts shut down mm. <laughs> because of trying to do cannabis related stuff too much. Um, so it definitely is a huge handicap, which was one of the things, you know, in the coalition, they were thinking about the name and they wanted to make the name, you know, the acronym H-E-M-P, Hemp Entrepreneurs for Massachusetts Policy. And I was like, I love the name. It's amazing. I can't think of anything better, but my gut is saying don't do it because we're going to get flagged. We're not going to really be able to run any ads. We're not going to have as much traction as we need to have with this. You know, like even the other day, I put up a Facebook status that said, I have never needed any of you more than I do right now. Most of my statuses that I put up about the hemp operation and everything get 40, 50, 60, 100, 200 likes on them, depending on if it's a big announcement. This got no traction on it. For me to say, this is, I've never needed you guys more than I have before. And for it to get no traction lets me know that there was some kind of handicap put on it because I mentioned CBD and hemp and cannabis a lot in that post. You got that post got pushed to the bottom of the Very. So uh, it was almost not effective, you know, and that's proof of what we're saying. Like, we're, if, if you're not careful about your wording, you're putting a huge handicap on us. You know, like, and they have put a huge handicap on us, the hemp industry and the CBD industry, like, and even the cannabis industry, you know, like nobody's allowed to do anything on social media, but, you know, it's okay to have a bunch of people smoking and dabbing on Instagram and everything and get millions of views on that. Like, it's just, it's, it's not level across the board. Like, they're not helping the businesses. They're okay with... You know, the, the half-naked girls dabbing on, on camera and getting a lot of views and a lot of engagement on them, but they're not okay with businesses running ads to make money and help people. Yeah, it's illogical. Very. <laughs> Another thing about that meeting is um, they were pretty much talking about getting interviewed or uh, a hearing by the Boston Globe. So the Boston Globe is going to put out a story. And what I was kind of surprised with is that they didn't kind of take into consideration uh, who the Boston Globe targets, the target market of that. They just kind of said everybody. 
this is what we want to say to everyone. So I kind of like, I, I see that point. But how would things have been different if we were to kind of take, okay, look at who reads the Boston News. I don't read the Boston Globe. I, don't, I actually don't know anyone who does. If who does read newspapers, I'd say like probably an older crowd. It's, it's not about so much the newspaper. It's about the article online. That's, that's what they're going for. The, as far as the Boston Globe, they've kind of been a huge proponent in the whole cannabis fight. Like they actually have been working on a, a lot of different exposés about the cannabis industry. One, for example, being that um, a majority of the, the dispensaries are owned by one umbrella corporation, which is a huge violation of all of the standards that they set forth, the CCC, the Cannabis Control Commission, set forth for the cannabis industry. And they're actually working on exposing a lot of the wrongdoings in the cannabis community. And um, in the two prior events that we, they've been to the state house for cannabis and hemp, the Boston Globe has been the one that's like kind of been on their side writing the truth about what's happening there. And, and you know, uh, they've been very pro hemp and cannabis. Yeah, everybody at the, at the event, uh, at the meeting, really wanted to target, um, like a lot of, they were mentioning uh, like veterinary Yep. Practice. So they did a diver, very diverse range. They wanted tar they wanted farmers, they wanted retailers, they wanted consumers and patients to get a really diverse group of people to show uh, the public that hey, this is this is a giant community. One of the huge misses, kind of playing on your your media point, is not inviting more local media and social media people to document it. For you know, invite the the, the Massachusetts cannabis influencers out to these events, you know, get them talking about it on their Instagrams with their th tens of thousands, possibly millions of followers. Like that is really how you reach people. That's education. Exa exactly. Like education, education, education. I, I, we've probably talked about education so ridiculously much over the past year because that's exactly how I started getting my foot in the industry. I was like, oh, I'm going to go to these events and, and interview people and educate the public on what's really happening in the cannabis industry and the real people who are running these businesses. They're not some, some loser, stoner, degenerate person, you know. They're real people like you and I. And... And, and showing that is, has been so important, I think, in, in building up everything that I've built up and, and helping the cannabis community really like get their voice out. Without education, we are stuck right here, right in this moment. Yeah, we're, we're not in. going anywhere. Nope. If no one's learning anything, then what's the point? Yep. One of the things that they, they brought up was having like a liaison to, to MDAR, where like one person within the group has a great relationship with the head of the department for, uh, and by the way, MDAR, sorry for, if, if you guys don't know, Massachusetts Department of Agricultural Resources. Um, that's, that's what MDAR stands for. Um, I felt like you should be the liaison. <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, Sarah answers almost all your emails. She, 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 I feel like she likes the way you you type you no know? maybe you're like yeah, you're no. very efficient and you're it's almost like non-emotional whereas she could probably tell that i'm like <laughs> through my word I, mean, I would i would apply for that position yeah. i think it would be uh 
That was my first thought when I was th- when they were talking about it. I was like, hmm, Andy. <laughs> I appreciate that. <laughs> now, how would we? How would you, um, if you could, how would you tie in entrepreneurship with that meeting, with what's been going on the past week or so? That whole meeting is entrepreneurship. You know, like this is a, a brand new industry, and whether this industry was, you know tobacco however many years ago or or coffee a hundred years ago you know this this is a bunch of entrepreneurs that happen to have a passion and a niche for this plant you know hemp and everybody there was was so entrepreneurial minded like it's all about you know the macro picture for for not only businesses, like you were saying, but for patients, for pets, for consumers, for doctors, like all these people can benefit from these businesses. And without the, 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 the canopreneurs that are, are joining up into this business, it's, it's nothing. You know, if we had a bunch of weak business people trying to do this, I don't even know if the meeting would have got organized, you know? We, we literally, I think uh, Laura, I'm going to, I think it's Beaner. That's how you pronounce her last name. She did a phenomenal job. Really great. I think she started getting everything together. She's the owner of the Healing Rose, which we'd love to get them on the podcast. We should reach out for sure. I don't know why we haven't, actually. Um, She literally sent out an email, I want to say Thursday last week, and was like, hey, we're finally getting things going. Can you come to Newburyport? And I was like, Jesus, that's a, that's two hours for me, and I'm supposed to work tonight. No, I can't. But hopped on a phone call, as did many people. There was probably like 40 to 50 people on the first meeting between phone calls and in person. And then within you know those three days, we planned a whole nother meeting in person to talk about business and farmers. You know, that's I think that speaks to the true grit of an entrepreneur. We're not saying no. I mean, we're not letting them tell us no. You know, we're creating our own path, trying to work within this industry to create uh, guidelines that work for all of our businesses to thrive and also be able to help everybody in our community. Well said. <laughs> I think if we were to tie in, like specifically yesterday, tie that into entrepreneurship, I would say to... If you're going into a new field, because CBD is completely new to me. I've been in it for less than six months, so everything's brand new. And I went into that meeting, like, I'm, I'm just going to sit back and I'm going to learn. So if you're going into a new business or a new, a new job, whatever, you, whatever it is that you're doing, set the ego aside and listen, learn, really put yourself in the shoes of a child, right? A child is fully dependent and in everything, it can't survive on its own, so it gives all ego up and learns. That's why they learn languages so fast, because they don't have a choice. Yep. If you set the ego aside and listen and learn, keep your mouth shut, until you really get a good grasp of the people around you. Take it for a while. Maybe it, it's an hour. Maybe it's a week. Maybe it's six months. And then finally, once you've really understood what the with the motives of everyone trying to trying to accomplish, you can join that team. Yeah, like I've been, you know, working within the cannabis industry for almost a, a solid year now, letting other people speak, going like this. How do you feel? 
And now I'm finally speaking out because now I'm starting to feel like, okay, I know what I'm saying isn't bullshit. You know, like it's not just my emotions into it. It's the broad spectrum of everything I've heard from thousands of people at this point and, and basically creating the, what the problems are and then the solutions, which is exactly what we did. And you actually just sparked in my mind why I was talking about that Freedom Rally call. On the call, I didn't say a word. And I said to Andy that there's been a few times that I've wanted to say things, but I don't think it's time yet. You know, the, the Mass Can, the organization that runs Boston Freedom Rally, has been around longer than I've been alive. <laughs> so for me to go to their meetings and just start, blah, 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 this is how I feel, I feel like would be wrong, and it would probably hinder any kind of progress I would have to joining or helping them. You know, so right now I'm going like this. Yeah, you're listening. You're listening, doing it right. Listening, but listening not to respond. Maybe to respond in the future, but really just listening to soak in what's happening. You know, like really understand so I can help them. You know, like that's what I've really started to, to realize is like, I feel like I can help a lot of people, but if I just like, chill for a second and really allow myself to learn about the situation, I'm able to help even better. Yeah, that's efficiency. Yeah, for sure. Uh, I think that's probably a good place to wrap up. And I think so too, yeah, it was good. Been a great episode. We're actually, uh, we were just counting, right? We're coming up next month will be our one year anniversary for the show and we'll end up with 46 episodes by then at least. And that means we only missed six weeks in our first year of podcasting. It's not bad. One of them is 100% excusable. The, the, the one that we missed while you were on the mountain, that's 100% excusable. So we have five, you know, a, a 10%. <laughs> five, 10% slip up. Right? Yeah. So yeah, that, will, that will improve and maybe we'll have more than 52 episodes in our second year to make up for it. And, uh, Again, thank you all so much for listening and, and watching and supporting us over this past year or however many years you've known us and supported us. We really appreciate you and, and love you so much. Yeah, we can't wait to grow with you. Yes, help hemp grow. <laughs> Talk Peace. to you later. <laughs>